Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. We welcome back Leo Girard. Leo Girard is international president of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. More than a pleasure to have him back, as always, President Girard. President Girard, Leo, happy Monday. Thank you very much. Same to you. You know, and Leo, we have so many candidates on the right who not only don't address this issue, but don't even admit there is an issue. And left and right, Americans agree that income inequality is a problem. It's getting worse. They don't like it, and they want something to be done about it. And fortunately, the candidates on the left, I think, at least realize this. Look, I think uh, everyone who's uh, uh, in the Democratic Party, whether they're candidates for president or uh, in the Senate and uh, almost everybody in the House understand that income inequality has become a huge, huge issue, and it uh, is really also holding back the economy. But, uh, and there's a, there's reason why we have so much income inequality as well. It's not, uh, it's not an act of God. It didn't happen as a force of nature. From 1978 to 2013, just two years ago, compensation for CEOs in the United States, uh, adjusted for inflation, increased 937%. That's more than double the growth of our own stock market and certainly uh, substantially greater than the 10.2% that is the growth in a typical workers' compensation over the same that, that that process really started and has been exacerbated. Uh, started probably around uh, Ronald Reagan's day, and uh, it's been exacerbated by uh, different Congresses that have done nothing about it. And the fact of the matter is, up until around 1980 or so, uh, workers' wages generally, since the Second World War, kept pace with productivity. But again, if you'll see productivity as gone through the roof while workers' wages have been basically flat or stagnant. And then when you look at uh, the point you just made now, during that same period of time, or a shorter period of time, really, CEO salaries have gone up almost 1,000%, while workers' salary is up two point, or excuse me, 10.2%, which is, you know, over almost 30 years. It's pretty flat. And th- this is when you have, you, you know, unions like yours, fighting for just decent wages, fighting for people to be paid as employees, fighting for people to have benefits. And then you have these people with these types of increases, 930% uh, from 1978 to 2013, 
And and they have this increase. You know what really blows my mind, Leo? They have this increase if they fail. If you right. fail or I fail, we're fired. Yeah. Well, uh, you may or not have may or may not have seen it on TV or read about it in the paper. The uh, CEO of uh, United Airlines uh, and uh, another couple of top people had to resign uh, out of a scandal at U.S. at United Airlines uh, and with uh, what we'll call Bridgegate in New Jersey. Uh, it turns out that the head of the Port Authority had cut a deal with the CEO of United that uh, the Port Authority would throw in a whole bunch of uh, inducements to upgrade the United's terminal, and United CEO would now create a new flight that would go from uh, New Jersey, I guess Newark, or New York Kennedy Airport, I'm not sure which airport, and it would fly to uh, the town closest to where the Port Authority had his... Uh, second home uh, and and uh, just before he uh, was going to be uh, forced out he used uh, three billion dollars of United Airlines funds to buy back United stock which drove up um, stock prices and uh, of course he gets paid in stock so as he's getting his ass kicked out he uh, probably knows it's coming and so buys back $3 billion of his own stock, which drives up the stock price, which lines his pockets on his way out the door. Uh, I don't know whether that's criminal or not, but it's certainly immoral. And if it is criminal, he ought to be in jail. Oh, I, I agree with you. You have uh, close to home in uh, Pennsylvania, right? Um, ATI, Allegheny Technologies Incorporated. There was some obscene stuff going on there with CEOs and top management. Yeah. Uh, and in fact... Uh, they were sanctioned by a group called uh, Say on Pay for the way that they uh, did the uh, top salaries. And of the top, I think, four or five officers, they collected $19 billion in a year when the company uh, lost money. And at the same time, they'll come to, uh, to us and lock us out because they want to gut the collective agreement. They want to... Uh, chop away at retiree health care and active employee health care. They want our members to pay more for their own health care. Uh, they want retirees. In fact, their position, if you piece it together, is pretty disgraceful. What, the, what their position implies is if you work for Allegheny, ATI, for 25, 30, 35, 40 years, when you retire, quote, we want nothing to do with you. We don't want to pay retiree life insurance. We don't want to be responsible for retiree health care, and we don't want you to have a defined benefit pension plan. So at the end of your career, uh, working like a dog, while I've been lining my pockets if I'm one of the top officers, you can uh, take the risk that you might be able to survive, but otherwise you're not our problem. And to think that uh, that's where America's come is really pretty distasteful. You'd have never, ever had people or corporations talking like that in the 1960s and 70s. And this is the result of uh, corporate greed, Wall Street manipulation of wanting to have the quarterly results so they can evaluate stock prices, having this baloney that uh, having the stock, uh, having the CEO paid in stock lines up the CEO's interest with the interests of, quote, the shareholders. 
which is baloney. It's not true. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a corporate lie. The fact of the matter is, especially when you can buy back your stock, that should be illegal. We should just have a simple rule. Absolutely. Corporations can't buy back their own stock. Let the stock be worth what it is. Yeah, I mean, and when you uh, – well, I want to um, – let's talk about the stock buybacks in a little bit because I want to talk about another yet great piece uh, that you have written for the Huffington Post. Uh, finishing up with uh, ATI, Allegheny Technologies Incorporated, when you talk about a lockout, Leo, so that people understand who have not been in unions and not familiar with what the terms are, um, you're also talking about big numbers. You're talking about approximately 2,200 of your members alone in 12 plants that span six states. I want people to understand what the lockout means and the impact of that. Over 2,000 people, and, and that's 12 different plants like in six states, this is not something that's happening within one location to a handful of people. That's right, and uh, it's uh, the largest facility is in a place just outside of Pittsburgh called Brackenridge. And uh, until Allegheny ATI was formerly Allegheny Ludlam, and uh, Allegheny Ludlam was considered that the workers called it Uncle Al. There was a really community relationship between the employer, the company, and the uh, community. That's all been blown apart over the last uh, seven or eight years. And, and the fact of the matter is that we're locked out because the company demands that uh, we behave in a certain way. And, in fact, if my memory's right, they demanded that we bring their last, best, and final offer to a ratification vote of the members and that the union recommend the ratification of an agreement that was substantially inferior. We responded by simply saying that we want to continue working uh, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to negotiate while we continue working. The company did that for a couple of weeks, and then they decided that they had to find a way to pressure us to accept a, and I think illegally pressure us, to accept a collective agreement that was uh, um, beyond anything that they were willing to negotiate. They simply refused to negotiate with us unless we would accept their last, best, and final offer. And because we wouldn't, they uh, brought in replacement workers where we think that they're spending about, um, so far, we think they've committed about $56 million to spend on replacement workers and what we call goon guards, people that uh, are trying to stir up trouble at the picket line, uh, pretending that they're meaningful security folks. Uh, a company uh, called Strong um, and uh, Strom Engineering. So what a lockout means is the workers are prohibited from going to work, even though we agreed to work under the existing collective agreement. And uh, the company uses that as a pressure tactic to get workers to uh, accept their inferior collective agreement. So we're, we're pursuing, uh, A, the desire to negotiate. We had uh, meetings on Friday uh, where the company with the mediator came in, and even with the meteor, mediator there, they took the same position, accept our proposal or else. And we're not prepared to do that. Our members deserve better than that, especially when the top five have paid themselves $19 million, close to a 70%, 7-0, increase for the top officers, and uh, workers are going to get pushed backwards. It's just it's insane. It's irrational. It, uh, it's not the way an economy should work.
Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Leo, but didn't an analyst write regarding ATI? We remained concerned by the company's continued failure to appropriately align executive compensation with corporate performance. They gave the company's pay plan an F every year since 2009. Last year, they went up a tad to a D. Yeah. Well, they've they've done that for several years, and in fact, last year they uh, the, this group. Uh, led by a bunch of uh, smaller investors, got together, and they voted a non-binding vote against the company's pay proposal. And I think they're now still under investigation. And uh, to be blunt, we haven't heard whether it may have done quietly at its board, but we haven't heard whether they've changed their pay system or not. You know, when you talked about United Airlines, United is uh, not just an, an example, it's obscene, I think, uh, you know, was your word, uh, that this is a corporation, like others, but even worse, uh, that stops and stopped raising worker wages in tandem with rises in productivity. They also cut out other jobs because they were curbing research and development. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's just amazing. It's sort, of, it's sort of like, well, you know, who really cares, you know, what, if our product is safe? Who really cares if there is safety for our workers? Who really cares if, you know, we're, we're you know, our, our, our workers are putting out more product? We need to pocket more cash. What can we do to really screw over our people? And people need to think about this when they buy an airline ticket. Oh, yeah. Look at the, the, the fact of the matter is that United Airlines is uh, um, really one of the, poster children for corporate greed. United Airlines has been through God knows how many bankruptcies. I would try to give a number, but I'd probably be off by a few. They, they've, they've used bankruptcy courts several times to beat up on workers. Once they merged with Continental, I think it's been close to five years now, there's at least uh, still ongoing negotiations. The workers haven't had an increase in five years, yet you see these guys lining their pockets, just like I said, cutting deals with uh, the head of the Port Authority, at, uh, with, you know, uh, Chris Christie. You know, Chris Christie has to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to have noticed all that stuff going around, on around him uh, and, and say, well, I'm a, I'm a good manager because when I found out I took action. Baloney. If you were a good manager, it wouldn't have got that far. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the piece that people don't put together is it doesn't make a lot of noise in the main media uh, and, and the corporate media because the head of these large media conglomerates are doing the same thing. So they're not going to talk about it openly. And so if you take stock buybacks and dividends, the, the average now that of the top five for, Fortune 500 companies, of the top 500 Fortune 500 companies, close to 92 to 93% of corporate income is used in A, stock buybacks and dividends. So pay themselves. Now, again, think about this. I'm, I'm doing a stock buyback, and I'm getting paid in a lot of stock, so I do the stock buyback. It drives up the value of the stock, which puts more money in my pocket, and now I'm holding more shares, and I can get more dividends off those shares as well. So these these corporate guys line their pockets coming and going. So if you take uh, corporate stock buybacks and dividends, and let's call it 93%, 92%, 91%, whatever the number is, that leaves 9% of all of the corporate income for wages, for research and development, for marketing, 
for vision for the future, for preventive maintenance, all of those things, you got to do that out of the remaining 9%. So it's no wonder that when you come to the bargaining table uh, or, or any other table, when you're looking at uh, the airline tickets, you know, you're looking at uh, wages, we get stuck with the, the, the short end of the stick every time because this system is morally bankrupt, and I think that we need to start as, as ordinary citizens talking publicly about the uh, cancer of these corporate buybacks and unwarranted dividend payments. Absolutely. Tell it like it is. Tell the truth like you do, Leo. We're going to talk more about this. We'll talk about your great piece in the Huffington Post, and we'll talk about some of those stock buybacks and what that means for folks that don't fully understand the stock market like me. I like learning from Leo Girard, international president of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. Follow them on Twitter, at USW Blogger. The website is USW.org. Back after this. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. shortest segment. Why did you choose uh, the uh, United CEO to write about in your piece? Uh, because it was, a, it was a good link that linked uh, um, both greed and corruption together, I guess. The, the reason we chose him is that uh, he had to resign in a scandal, and the scandal wasn't about his salary. The scandal was that he cut a deal with the head of the Port Authority that also reported to Chris Christie, or should have reported to Chris Christie uh, that uh, he put that United CEO put on a special flight from New York to uh, this guy, the nearest town to this guy's so-called summer home or second home, uh, and the Port Authority then uh, threw in a lot of uh, goodies and subsidies to uh, enhance the United Terminal at the airport. And so there you have, right in front of Chris Christie, who wants to be president, this level of corruption going on, and he's deaf, blind, and dumb. Uh, and then on top of that, you got a CEO that probably knew this was going to come about. Absolutely. And spent $3 billion of the profits of the company that would have been better spent on the workers or in the community or upgrading their damn airline or doing some research. Yep, and he deserves to be on the uh, the uh, title page there with your blog. We'll be back with Leo Girard, president of the USW. Gerard, he is the international president of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. Leo, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Sorry to jump on your last uh, words uh, there before uh, the break. Um, Before we talk more about your piece, and one of the things you do talk about in your piece, and you you referenced earlier in this hour, 
um, was stock buybacks and that corporations spend increasing portions of profit on dividends and stock buybacks. And that that buyback boosts the compensation for CEOs, but what it does to the workers' pay is to squash it. Can you elaborate a little bit more so folks understand who may not be familiar with this dynamic? Well, what what happens is that uh, the, the the stock is uh, is traded in, in the on the stock exchange, and the company comes in with existing profits, existing cash on hand, and and simply goes in and buys up stock of their own company. What that does is it restricts the amount of stock available to the public, and as a result of quote buying stock. When people buy stock, generally the value of the stock will rise. So if you think of a company that goes in and buys $3 billion worth of stock in a short period of time or in a day or two, uh, what that does is it shows demand for the stock, and the stock rises in price. Uh, the CEO and many of the top officers get a, I'll call it a, a salary, and then on top of the salary they get paid in stock options, stock bonuses, with all kinds. And we're not even talking yet about all the different scams they have for borrowing money with no interest, uh, all kinds of ways that they can access funds that they will take stock now that they have to hold for a period of time. So just before they have to unload it or cash it in, they can buy a stock buyback and drive the price of stock up, and that stock then goes towards their pension plan. Um, so there's all kinds of ways that are used to, to and in, 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 a, in a real term, I, I would argue it's manipulating the stock price. And it ought, it ought to be unacceptable. It ought to be uh, totally investigated. And when we see what they're doing with 53% of the Fortune 500 companies, I mean, 53% of the um, profits of Fortune 500 companies are in stock buybacks and 37% in dividends. So that leaves 9 or 10% for what we talked about earlier, uh, which is, is really criminal. They're lining their damn pockets at, with, a, with a stock manipulation scam that's legal. And when people look at, I mean, they're just, God, I, I was looking at stuff in, in your blog and just all of these facts that you have and, and specifics. United Airlines has... If you look at J.D. Power Airline Satisfaction Survey, let's just you know look at that as one example. They ranked dead last among major domestic carriers. Is this something that we as consumers need to be more aware of, Leo, not just reading blogs like yours, but before we purchase an airline ticket, before we make a purchase of any kind? Take a look at the company. If a company ranks dead last, there's a reason for it. And if they rank dead last, I mean, in this case, I mean, there were so many things, like you said, one of which the corporation computer system uh, repeatedly was failing, which is frightening uh, for those of us getting on plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but if if, if it – if you are at the bottom of a J.D. Power airline satisfaction survey for an airline, I think it's safe to assume you're treating your employees like crap most likely. Well, look, at I wish it was that easy. Um, if, uh, if, if, and it's very hard to do the research because the airline prices are uh, – Another another puzzle. If you buy before a certain, if your flights before a certain time in the morning or on a specific day, on certain days they eliminate the flight so that you've got limited options. I mean that whole process of the sort of deregulated airlines. I I, I can say it this way, and I, and I would challenge your listeners: 
show me one industry that's been deregulated that has turned out to be better for the consumers and customers and for the workers. Show me one. Is it trucking? Is it uh, our um, electric utilities? Is it our water utilities? Is it uh, our airlines? I mean, show me something that's been deregulated and has uh, shown up to be better for workers and for consumers. Can't find any. So the fact of the matter is what you're talking about, uh, what, what the airlines have done is they've gotten together, probably not in a criminal conspiracy, but they've managed to set up their hubs, and so in major cities. So you take a city like Cincinnati, uh, you can't get from Cincinnati to very many places without flying two uh, flights. If you look at, at uh, um, Cleveland, um, Continental was big in Cleveland. Now it's Continental, now United. So they, they'll chisel the amount of flights you get. If you look at what happened in, in a lot of U.S. Air and American Airlines uh, centers, they uh, closed some of the smaller U.S. Air hubs, converted them to American hubs, and so now you can't get – you've got a limited flight. I mean, I often want to go to Canada. i got two options, go or don't go. You know? <laughs> Believe me, I went. I, I went to Victoria over Labor Day weekend, and um, my husband and I keep saying about. And yeah. uh, I think we just like the uh, Canadian accent now. But you're right; it was sort of like, okay, it's either like mucho dinero on this airline, <laughs> you know, a number of stops through this airline. So we'll yeah. have less time on the ground, but we'll save some money. But, but yeah, you're right. Well, sometimes if I go uh, if I go west, it takes me three flights. It's crazy. Uh, and then uh, that that's the way they've managed it. So as one of my friends says, they've organized themselves so that they can make some money at our expense not to give us a service. No, very, very true. Um, let's uh, continue and take some calls here. 8886-LESLIE. Let's go to Texas on line three with Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey, I know that you wanted to weigh in on the increase of 937% uh, for the CEOs in that period of time I had mentioned. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm good, Leslie. Thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> I'd kind of like to put this in a little historical perspective, uh, especially uh, and especially address the, the you know the flat wages uh, that workers are experiencing. And and uh, I don't think this is by accident. I think this is by design. If you go back to the 19th century and all the big oil companies and all the big bankers were creating monopolies, and their philosophy for doing this was basically a, a really a, a a bastardization of, of social Darwinism that said that, you know, you need to have an unregulated laissez-faire economy uh, in order that the struggle for existence can take place. And so, you know, it's, it's the winners. The winners will win. The corporate winners will win. And the ones that aren't efficient, uh, that, don't, that don't compete, will be dropped out. And this is the philosophy. It has no conscience. It has it has nothing but but their idea of what they think natural law is, and they employ this. They employ this in their business practices, and this has been going on, you know, for a long, long time. And that's why they don't care. They don't care about workers' wages. They don't care about the workers because they don't. They, caring gets in the way of, of this this principle. But oh, let's just let the struggle for existence work its way out, and the winners will emerge. Well. What they don't tell people about the, you know, the dark underbelly of this philosophy is they rig it. They rig it so it, they, they can't help but win. You know, union people were the ones that got minimum wages. Union people were the ones that got rid of child uh, labor laws and protection for health care and worker conditions. 
the, the corporations and the CEOs, they had nothing to do. They had, to be, they had to come screaming and kicking to the bargaining table before they would concede on issues like this. There's no way that they would allow that kind of conscience in a natural playing field. So, anyway, that's my thought on uh, this is not unusual. This does not surprise me. And uh, it's almost like now the CEOs are eating their own. When they start taking the means of production, uh, as in research development, they start putting it into their pockets. Uh, it, it's almost it almost makes me wonder uh, about what their you know about their intentions of actually running a corporation or just getting the most out of that until they they just leave and go somewhere. Else. Well, let me let me just uh, uh, sort of I, I don't disagree. Uh, the, the the exception to that is that uh, we need to acknowledge that this system has been designed and rigged. To perform the way it's performing, I, I, I still haven't forgotten the George Bush at some dinner, who for the the rich and powerful said, you know, I'm your, you're my base. He knew it, and the people like him and uh, other Republicans and some Democrats, quite frankly, have uh, designed this structure to uh, reward the already rich and powerful. And, and we're, we're simply been spending a lot of time talking about corporate wages and stock buybacks and dividends and all that. But we can look at the trade agenda. We look at the trade agenda, and we're driving industrial manufacturing to the lowest cost denominator. We're now going to vote on a trade deal uh, where we're going to talk about having, quote, free trade with Vietnam that pays about 26 cents an hour. There's nobody in America that can compete with Vietnam at 26 cents an hour. Well, we're going to have a trade deal with uh, Malaysia. Malaysia still used forced labor, slave labor. The uh, State Department was supposed to issue a report. They didn't issue the report until after the vote on fast track, because if they'd have issued the vote before or the report before that, we would have had to publicly acknowledge we were doing a trade deal with a country that uses slave labor. Uh, why are we doing a trade deal with Brunei? You hear all these Republican nutjobs talking about Sharia law. Well, that's what there is in Brunei, Sharia law. But we're going to do a trade deal with them. So if you combine those things with what your caller just said and what we know is going on with stock buybacks right out in the open and the dividend payments that are upwards of 37% of income, uh, this the system can't be sustained that way. You can't sustain a system where a small percentage at the top are going to garner 80, 90 percent of the wealth of the nation, and the rest of us are going to have to struggle as if it was the Hunger Games. All right, Leo, very well said. And for our caller, we're going to take a break. When we come back, tweets, emails, more calls right after this. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. International President of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. Leo, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I have emails. I have tweets. I have phone calls. Let's get to a bit of each. And uh, James, through uh, email via LinkedIn, 
made the comment that socialism, lack of jobs, and a skills gap is the reason for income inequality. And you say? Um, baloney. Uh, first of all, that uh, it's more of the same. Uh, there is no socialism for working people. If he wants to say that there's socialism for the rich, I would certainly agree. All we got to do is look at what happened on Wall Street. If a uh, worker goes bankrupt, they lose their house, they lose everything. When Wall Street went literally bankrupt, they got 100% on the dollar. They got $100 for $100. So there's no socialism in that racket uh, except for corporations. When we look at the skills gap, Again, when I was younger and uh, just started work, companies had workers that were called apprentices. Whether you're in an industrial workplace or whether you're in the building trades, there was lots of apprenticeships. Now the theory is you go to school, go to, go to community college and get yourself trained, and then we might find a job for you. Uh, so what we need is, I agree, we need more training, and we, and we need a system whereby you can afford to go to college. Uh, this guy might have forgotten that uh, student student college debt is higher debt than personal family credit card debt. That is a shocking statistic when you get people running their mouth, rightfully so, that everybody should have a chance at a good education. When you get an education and you come out owing fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you might take twenty, thirty years to pay off, uh, don't tell me. That's the worker and the family's fault. Um, so I think the guy's just totally and completely wrong and needs a different set of facts. Let's go to some more calls in Vegas on line uh, three. We go to Jim. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, Larry, this is Jim in the pool. Jim in the pool. Uh, Leo, Jim uh, calls us in Vegas, and he'll be in the pool, and he likes it. We call him Jim in the pool. And, uh, and, and of course, some of the people don't like it when it's uh, cold everywhere else. But, Jim, what do you have to say on this issue? Welcome. Good Leo, afternoon. my father is the greatest man in the world, but you're right there next to him, man. You are the <laughs> smartest guy. We have out here, it's a union town. We got Scott Walker here today talking about how he wants to break up the unions when he becomes president. Well, ha, ha, ha. But the MGM Grand, four years ago, laid off 400 workers two weeks before Christmas, and the CEO got $23 million bonus. Yeah. Look at the the system, Jim Jim from the pool. The system is rigged, and and until working people come together collectively through both trade unions and other progressive organizations and demand that the, the system be fixed, Look, at, it wasn't always like this from the time of the Second World War when we had high union density until the 80s after when Ronald Reagan started sort of throwing people under the bus. From that period of time, workers' wages kept place with productivity. Workers' wages were 20 or CEO salaries were 20 or 30 times the salary of the average worker. Now they're 300 and 400 times the average worker. We have not kept place with productivity. So starting in 1980 to now, even today with Scott Walker in Las Vegas saying he's going to dismantle the labor movement, if you dismantle the labor movement, my question to him is show me one democratic country of any substance that does not have a labor movement. There is no democratic country on the planet that doesn't have a labor movement. And when you're going to overthrow a regime of the left or the right, who does it? Who brings themselves together to do it? Workers and students. So I don't know what Scott Walker thinks America would be like with no labor movement, 
but he's obviously well, doesn't give a damn, and he probably won't make it to the to the finish line anyway. No, well, I'm campaigning here for Lee, uh, for uh, Bernie. Yeah. And I, when I talk to people about the, I'm a security guard. I get eight fifty an hour to secure at night these conventions, and there's a lot of security guards. And if we could get the minimum wage up, like they want to unionize the fast food people to fifteen dollars an hour, that would increase our. It would stimulate the whole economy. If you're, a security, if you're a security guard at the MGM Grand, I can tell you we've had our conventions there because they can put everybody in one hotel. And the security that we've had from the MGM Grand has been terrific. They've, we can leave our stuff right there on the table, and it doesn't move by morning. And you certainly deserve more than eight fifty an hour. And, in fact, we should be talking about a minimum wage of 15 to $17. And, again, if, if the minimum wage had kept pace with inflation or the minimum wage had kept pace with productivity, the minimum wage would be somewhere between 17 and $18. So don't tell me that we can't do it. Yep. The problem is the greedy pigs at the top are, as I said, jacking up their stock price and lining their pockets with dividends. Uh, thank you, Jim. Appreciate your call. Let's uh, go to another call because, uh, you know, this hour just flies whenever we have Leo on. Line two in the Bronx is Michael. Michael, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Leo. Great to talk Hello. to you once again. Um, something you said about corporate greed, it struck a nerve in me. When I was thinking back to last year, as you know, as the holidays are approaching once again, um, remember these um, corporations, especially these stores, that wanted to open on Thanksgiving and on Christmas and all these other holidays in which um, employees are usually off, and then now they're requesting to have off because of religious observances, even to be with families, and then the employees are always saying, no, get back to work or you're fired or even go as far as saying, if you don't work, you'll be under arrest and come up with all sorts of abusive lies towards the um employees and you know that gives me the feeling that that's the corporate greed that you're talking about because they're relying upon the workers to bring in revenue to produce and all that stuff and yet they're treating the workers like slaves and yeah. far um below um, look at the, the minimum wage that you're talking about the right. whole the whole issue of how workers are uh, scheduled and how they're forced to work certain hours and how they're told do that or go home. It brings me back to the comment that was asked at the first of the show. ATI that locked us out took a public ad in the newspaper saying that our members made $94,000 a year. Well, you know what? To make $94,000 a year at ATI, you had to work between 320 and 350 hours of overtime a year. Based on the, the, the average wage of the the workforce, that's how many hours extra you'd have to work. If you divide that, that's two and a half months more work that you'd have to work to make that $94,000 wage. And two-thirds of that overtime was forced overtime, where the company said you have to work uh, six 12-hour days. That's the schedule for the next three months. You've got to work it or else we don't need you, or else we'll discipline you. So now we're in bargaining, and we try to fix that scheduling issue in collective bargaining, and the company locks us out. So the same thing goes on whether you're at the middle of the income scale or whether you're at the bottom of the income scale. The people who are at the top of the income scale, the already rich and powerful CEOs, um, they fly to their vacation resort or, 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 or they get someone to arrange a flight for Yeah, them. or they're you know, using one of their many private planes. Leo, you know we love you. Leo Gerard, president of the USW. Follow them on Twitter.
This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.